When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people if they can become something more like the battles that we never Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast and resource devoted to discussion of the Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host Christopher Bruffett. Chris, how are you doing today? Jesse, I'm doing great, man. Excited to be talking about kind of a weird character. It's true. I've actually been able to get a lot of games in recently, and it's been really, really nice. Well, this weird character is the awesome build-up to one of the mains of Marvel, as we would say, potentially. And I would say mains, as in plural, that would be Daredevil and Kingpin. We can just tell you guys straight up, those guys are coming very soon on the show, because not only they're majorly important characters in Marvel, but they're obviously important characters in Marvel Christ Protocol. But yeah, we got to talk about the characters like our character today, Dexter. That's Bullseye. But before we get into that, Chris, you mentioned you've been playing some games. I know you've been diving fully into TTS lately, which has been very exciting. So tell me about that. Oh, you know, just losing games. You say losing, but you always need to look at the score tracker when you lose, you know? No, loss is a loss. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. That's the way it works. This is why you're the sports fan and I'm not. Yeah. I think MCP is an incredibly amazing game. Once you learn the basic mechanics and you know your players on your team, scores will always be close. They really will. Unless you just have some weird dice blowout or something. Or you just completely misplay turn zero. Other than that, they're going to be close. No, the game's set up in such a way that you're not really out of it until turn four. Round four, I guess. Maybe. After it's over. Yeah. That's if you're getting your butt kicked. No, it's it's been good. I've been playing Storm's Affiliation a lot. I've got a bag of 10 built. That's X-Men Gold. Yes, the X-Men Gold Affiliation. It's been a lot of fun. I, I, I really love five threat characters is what I'm really landing on is they're kind of the perfect threat level for me to build a team around. Sounds like you need to play Asgard. It's mm. something that I just thought about that you and I haven't talked about yet, but it's it's a bunch of high threat characters as Asgard. I know. I think I'm going to put Thor in my X-Men bag. Yeah. I think Storm positioning him around, him having mm-hmm. cover, and just being a beater on the board where he's not going away is, is a good thing, you know? And I just think about this every day, Chris. It's like, I love this game so much because you're talking about you love five threats and you've been playing X-Men. 
but you could try every five thread in your X-Men roster and it's so different. And that's kind of the approach I'm wanting to try to take. Okay. Is rotating those out. So uh, I, I've been using Ghost Rider. I feel like I have a good handle on him. I like him a lot, but now it's time to try things with, with Thor or I don't know, maybe Cable. Maybe, well, yes. <laughs> X-Force will have their own bag, of course. But I think even Cable and X-Men might be a viable thing. Oh, I think it'll probably be good, actually. Incredibly thematic and him being sort of a Doctor Strange support type character with a range five gun mm-hmm. is just a cool thing. Like he can sit in the back and buff up all your allies' attacks with his force field and then he can throw things and then he can shoot his rifle from downtown at range five. I think he's a good piece. He is a strange five threat like Doctor Strange because he is a support piece first. And I'm kind of easing my way into that with starting with Ghost Rider. So, yep, he's kind of half support, half damage. Maybe I move forward with Doctor Strange instead. I don't know. I'm open to suggestions. I'm open to play whatever. Throw them at me. Let's go. Well, if you remember, Chris, the episode on this very podcast feed where I did X-Men list building with Omnis from Omnis Protocol, Doctor Strange was in our roster because he's just such a strong piece in this x-men team it's like logan with extra defense dice is good logan being healed is good dr strange doing a range four attack that moves enemies is good i mean these are all good things but i think in the x-men in particular he's a good fit because they already kind of like to hang back hold objectives push you away you know and then fight you when it's time and Doctor Strange can kind of help you choose the right time, I think, which is the most important thing. And I, I really think that that's why I've gravitated towards them, because that's very much my play style in almost any game I play is a very reactive play style. Which is good. That's how you play games well, honestly, for most rosters, though some are not that at all in this game. Right. I'm looking at you, Black Order. But we've got a lot of interesting things coming up in Marvel Christ Protocol, and there's so many things to dissect, Chris, and I'm looking forward to more games, too. I have played some games recently, too. I actually got Scarlet Witch to the table for the first time ever recently. If listeners of the podcast have been following the show lately, they know how ecstatic I've been with the fact that everyone in the Fury's Finest played group here in Tulsa is more than a month out from their vaccinations, and we've been playing in you know, the garage with the open windows and all the stuff. Incredibly hot, but we have been getting some games in every once in a while. And I did get Scarlet Witch on the table, and I got to get her in Avengers, and that was actually really fun and really thematic. Oh, yeah. I was a big fan. It's kind of honestly oppressive having Scarlet Witch and Cap have a little bubble in the middle of the board. Cap's got his defense. Scarlet Witch has got her hex field and then, of course, her range. And then you throw in things that I like to throw in, weird characters like Loki. So now you got the Loki tax bubble going. Now you got Rocket Raccoon in there, and he's not being attacked because anytime he's attacked, Cap just takes the attacks. This is the way I played it. It was really fun. It was really fun. And... I had a blast. I'm looking forward to playing more Wanda everywhere I can. That's my current objective because she is my number one character until Carnage comes out to master because I do think characters like Wanda and even more so a character like Carnage, incredibly difficult to master, incredibly difficult to master. And I really think people are going to get Carnage to the table with a lot of excitement because obviously he's an exciting design, very asymmetrical but I think it's going to be really tough for a while. I think the first four oh, yeah, or five sure. Carnage games are not going to go well for anybody unless somebody just completely misplays on the opposite side of Carnage because he could just melt and and then not do his high damage rogue thing he wants to do, right? So I'm looking forward to that challenge when that comes out soon. 
it turns out a lot of the internet and a lot of the world, Chris, is getting their spider foes right now, which is very Ooh, sad for us in the US. We don't have them. But the fact that others are starting to receive them makes me happy because I want to start seeing those paint schemes. Well, and then I did freak out a little bit with Carnage. My good friend, Ryan Farmer of the Strike Better podcast, brought forward this question in the Marvel Christ Protocol Facebook group. I'm so glad he did. He said, I've noticed some Canadian people in the Marvel Christ Protocol group post their Carnages, and it looks like Carnage has different sculpts for both of his arms. Is this true? Someone please confirm. And of course, a bunch of Canadians immediately got on and confirmed you can do just the standard claw carnage hands, or you can do the spike hands, or you can do axe hands. You can do a lot of crazy things. And that is what I want with my carnage because, you know, options are good. And this is a part of the character. I mean, he is manipulating his arms into weapons quite frequently. It's a big part of this particular character, but I thought that was a nice touch. We did not know at all. AMG didn't even show us that. It's a cool thing. (laughs) They always throw in these little treats. I know know? they're sneaky, man. It's it's awesome. So that's going to be nice when I get Carnage in my hands. But until then, I'm actually looking forward to this time to learn Wanda and Pietro Quicksilver because we still don't have X-Force here either, Chris. So there's a lot of things that we don't have in America yet that a lot of other places of the world have. So until we get those things... You know, I'm just going to learn what I can about the game that we currently have that's new. And there's there's a lot, honestly, without even X-Force and Spider-Foes in our hands. There's a ton. This game has changed a lot since it was last regularly played in person. So it's going to be a very exciting time to see how all these TTS skills translate to the actual table. Oh, they don't translate exactly. No, I can, I can prove not. that I myself. Know. I've played recently and I've played some pretty good TTS games and some near flawless TTS games over the past year. And then I've actually taken a break from TTS for some time, but I've played some games in person lately and just, you know, that element of standing, mm-hmm. hanging out with your buddies, different terrain, moving models around the table, you know, nudging things backwards or forwards by accident. All It always happens. And then just, you know, things happening in the room and you miss triggers. I'm certainly rusty and it's nice to get the rust off and just to hang out. And I actually prefer Chris to make mistakes because I always prefer to hang out in person and learn from my mistakes and just have fun. Well, I'm just enjoying being able to play period at the moment, but you know, I will be there in Tulsa in a little while and we will get some games in, in person when that happens and i'm very excited about that that's right and hopefully some other furious finest content which we will reveal to you guys when the time comes but until then chris i mean the only other big news there's been some pretty big news lately talking mass revealed lizard which we will talk about in full on our june roundup but it turns out he's a super tanky brawler three threat that has healing factor that's exciting that's very exciting i i am very excited by this character. Wolverine has been my most effective character thus far lately since I've done this X-Men revolution, you know, and more healing factor, just music to my ears, honestly. Honestly, I think Lizard is a great addition to the X-Men team Mm -hmm. because now you can really start stacking those healing factor cards in your eight cards and not feel bad about it because, you know, if you've got Logan and if you've got Deadpool and you've got Lizard and your X-Men roster... And your X-Force roster, why not just go heavy into the right. healing factor cards, you know, and get some value out of it. So that's very exciting. I'm really looking forward to Lizard. You know, Chris, I continually say this time and time again. Atomic Mass puts out incredible models and they continue to be like, oh, that's my new ferret model. That's my new ferret model. You know, it's it's jumped from model to model. It, for me, listeners of the show, if we go back, it was Green Goblin for so long and he's still yep. one of the best. 
Then it was Angela. She's still one of the best. Then it was Cable. Cable's exceptional. But now we've got models in the game like Carnage, like Lizard, and like Sam Wilson's Captain America. And I think those are my current favorite models that are coming out soon, if that makes sense. Like the look of Sam Wilson's Captain America, the look of Lizard, and the look of Carnage are so evocative of the characters, but also just incredible sculpts, you know? And those are my current favorites. I agree with most of them. I'm going to throw Black Cat in there. Yep. And that's a polarizing one. Because half the community feels the same way, and the other half apparently just can't even handle or stand that sculpt. So that's another fun topic right there. Must be like cilantro or something. (laughs) It must be, yeah. The Spider-Man as well is is fantastic. Swinging from the exploding radio Mm -hmm. tower, you know, it's very good. Craven's up there for me, too. (sighs) Craven's good. Well, let's also not forget our friend, beautiful sculpt, half-phasing in through the fog, Mysterio. Mm Mm-hmm. His full leg's not even there. It's so good. It's wild. But these are things you and I love, Chris. Like, we love these action poses that Atomic Mass is committed to. Some players of the game don't like that as much. They perform a more standardized model, and I understand that. But here on Fury's Finest, we are about the theme. We are about the fun. We are about the thematics. We are about the flavor. And I think they just kind of capture the dynamic feel of all these characters every time they put one out. Even if it's not my favorite sculpt, they're usually doing something dynamic that represents that character. And it's it's hard to nail a character's look and right. detail and their feel and their pose. And that's what's crazy when they drop a model like Lizard. Like Lizard could have just been semi-crouched with his claws out, you know, and that would have been fine. They went the extra mile. That sewer, yes. that sewer is popping off. <laughs> like literally. It's very cool. It's crazy. It's, yeah, it's a very, very cool sculpt. And <laughs> I, I want to play him just for that. He's going to be in a team for s- somewhere just because oh, yeah. I love that sculpt. Well, Carnage didn't need to be crawling on his tendrils either. He could have easily been on his feet with his yeah. tendrils coming out of his hands, you know, just kind of extending off the base. But they went the extra mile there, too, because they wanted to be evocative of the character running at you. And these are just touches here and there that make it so, so good. Now, Chris, the other news that's happened recently, Loki came out, the show, which I've been very excited about for a long time. And now there's two episodes out in the world. Mm. And I would venture to say of the three Marvel shows... The Loki pilot might have been the strongest so far. I don't think there's a might have been. (laughs) It's a very good pilot. Let's be perfectly frank. The pilot for WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier, while they were good, they set things up. They were fine. I enjoyed them. They were wonderful hours of television, but they paled in comparison to where where both series went. It's true. As far as setting a tone for the show, they had a hard time even doing that, whereas the stylization in Loki was just oh, yeah. on point. It was it was very engrossing. Really, really, really well done. Excellent first episode. Well, and them establishing that much feel, tone, and story, and plot in the pilot is pretty astounding, honestly. And to get you to come back, too. I mean, that's what a pilot does best. And is it just me or is Owen Wilson revitalizing his career in the MCU? My goodness. I'm a Owen Wilson fan here. So you're, you're you're preaching to the crowd. Well, I think he took a break for some time for, you know, personal reasons and mental health reasons and just, you know, relaxing reasons. And I'm, I'm excited. He's, 
back to the world Me because too, you know the first time we saw him on the show i was like wow that's pretty iconic too they bring owen wilson on a show they break his nose more they cut his hair and they give him a, a mustache <laughs> to just further differentiate him from the owen wilson of the past you know the owen wilson every day where he has long hair and no mustache you know all these things are normal for him in everyday life i just think it's funny that they like they just went all in on no we're creating a new Mar- iconic marvel character and owen wilson's just going to bring it it's just not going to be his normal character which is awesome yeah he killed it the two of them on screen might carry the show chris alone and then a big shout out to tulsa born comedian josh fadum for getting erased from time (laughs) (laughs) after after losing his number he did a great job in the episode really gave the whole episode a little bit of life a little bit of needed levity well done yeah, and I think Chris and I are going to talk about this show in more detail on a future episode, but we just had to mention it here because now that there's two episodes out in the world, if you haven't seen it, go see it. You know, we're going to drop any spoilers here or anything until you've seen it, but it is worth your time, and I am really looking forward to this series. Though it is a bummer, Chris, that there's only six episodes of this series, a little bit less than the other two series, so understandable, though. I mean, I get it, and I, I just think that Loki's going to be around. The character is not going anywhere, in my estimation. I could be completely wrong. Well, I think you're completely right. I think that's the whole reason they're doing the show, you know? Well, yeah. And kind of resetting his character arc. And that's a pretty bold thing, too, you know, because Loki had an entire character arc after Avengers 1, and we're back at Avengers 1 Loki with a new character arc. That's a crazy thing. It's weird. There are some nitpicks there, and and we'll get into that more Mm -hmm. in a different episode. We're not talking about Loki today, even though I would like to return to his episode because I think he has more places in MCP. So we'll talk about him in the future on some roster building. But today we're talking about Bullseye, enemy of Daredevil. So I think we just need to get into it. Fury's Finest is sponsored by Discount Games Inc. Go to discountgamesinc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol and miniature gaming needs. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy our show, consider supporting us with a monthly contribution and joining our Discord community. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. In a very Galactus size thank you to Jason. Thanks, man. Thank you, Jason. And of course, a huge thank you to our Avenger producer of this episode, Matthew R. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks, Matt. All right, Chris, let's get into Bullseye's lore. So let's get into it. Who is Bullseye? Bullseye is, and I am not exaggerating here, he is the most accurate character in Marvel Comics, perhaps one of the most deadly characters in Marvel Comics from just a skill standpoint. He's an absolute psychopath and a completely unreliable narrator. That's a great writing trope. (laughs) I know. If it's used correctly. Well, you could argue for and against how it's been used with Bullseye, but Mm -hmm. it is what it is. His first appearance was in Daredevil number 131 in March 1976. He was created by Marv Wolfman and John Romita Sr., but Daredevil 131 was actually written by Bob Brown and Klaus Jansen. So let's kind of frame the character now. Bullseye has this natural and an innate ability to throw almost any object as a projectile with incredible accuracy and lethal force. It's a unique twist on a superpower. I mean, is it a superpower? Is it a skill? I don't know. 
He's been considered a an unpowered individual, but I would argue that anyone that can kill someone with a toothpick from a hundred yards away through a pane of glass might have a superpower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On top of his incredible accuracy, he is a very accomplished hand-to-hand combatant. At one point, he takes out an entire group of hand ninjas by himself, which is honestly, that's really hard to do. The hand, it's not the foot clan that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles beat up, man. The hand is is serious business when they're in, especially when they're involved in street level characters business, whether that be villains or heroes. You're a street level character. The hand is about all you can handle. I'm so glad you mentioned the turtles, though, Chris. That was a direct and overt reference to Daredevil, as are many, many, many things in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, giant homages to the Daredevil universe, street-level stuff. And when you start seeing them, it's actually kind of surreal, <laughs> some of the similarities. Yeah, it's, it's a The hand weird. and the foot being, obviously, the most direct. One of his other abilities is that many of his bones were reinforced with strips of adamantium. This is completely different from Wolverine's bonded adamantium. They're stronger than average. Okay. The broken parts were right. fixed with adamantium. It will and also just reinforce his his bones are stronger than your eyes, for instance. And and otherwise he's just kind of you know, he went through a period where he had cancer, but man, he's just a psychopath. He is just a crazy guy. So we're going to hop into his history here. He's given us about three or four different origin stories for himself. And on one of the stories, he's changed details three or four times, hence the unreliable narrator. I'm not going to tell you about his childhood, although it seems pretty likely that he and his dad have a very rocky relationship, to say the least. But to kind of sum up what we do know is Bullseye, after training and after kind of discovering his just absolute gift for killing people and his, you know, losing his mind, he he is introduced to us in the Marvel 616 universe as a hired assassin looking to make his name by beating Daredevil. And he almost does, but in the end, Daredevil, of course, wins. And this is going to kind of... He's not, I wouldn't say singularly obsessed with Daredevil because he's not, but this would stick with him for a long time. He doesn't like that. And eventually he will become a Daredevil main villain. But at at the beginning, he was kind of, after being introduced in a Daredevil book, he's kind of interacting with Punisher, with Black Widow, all kinds of different things. He's going to work as a hitman for Wilson Fisk. But through all of this, he's kind of a background character through a lot of this. After kind of being Wilson Fisk's hitman, Bullseye loses the job and it becomes kind of a running joke in the 616 universe that he's always trying to get this job back. He's always trying to work for Kingpin and Kingpin, he's just never quite good enough, doesn't have it. But while doing a stint in prison, Bullseye learns that Kingpin has hired Elektra, of course, Daredevil's on again, off again, and love of his life at this point. Fisk has hired her as his new chief 
assassin. This drives Bullseye crazy. He needs that position. He has to restore his standing, his name, his reputation, all of it. So through a wonderful story, Bullseye will end up killing Elektra, where he will be dropped from a multi-story building by Daredevil after killing Elektra. And this will land him in the hospital paralyzed. This will lead us to one of my favorite issues involving Bullseye, but it's completely a Daredevil issue. (laughs) And we're going to talk about it more when we do the Daredevil episode. But essentially, Bullseye is used to turn Daredevil from a kind of Spider-Man ripoff book by killing Elektra and just introducing this absolutely dark, dark turn for Daredevil. And that is going to lead us to the Daredevil we see today. That's not necessarily through anything special about the Bullseye character. It's mostly that he was the tool for the job, but because of that, it has really shaped him. And he is, he's an absolute murderer. He's cold-hearted and he's nuts. He enjoys killing. So after this, Bullseye will be liberated from his prison slash hospital stay by Japanese scientist Lord Darkwind. What a name. What a name. What a name. After his first stint as masquerading as Daredevil, where he kind of lost his mind and believed he was Daredevil for a little while, Bullseye would eventually be hired by Mysterio. And he's hired by Mysterio to attack and confuse Daredevil. Now, this is very important here because during the course of his distraction battle with Daredevil, Bullseye will kill another of Daredevil's girlfriends, romantic interests, Karen Page, this time. It's a big one. With one of Daredevil's own weapons. Those are two of the main romantic interests in Daredevil's entire life. Yeah. The two biggest ones. At this point, Bullseye's, it's, I don't know, it's its very similar to the Joker to Batman, especially sure. at that point in history, because the Joker hadn't kind of transcended into this otherworldly, mm-hmm. like half deity kind of thing that he is now. The absolute, you know, yang to Batman's yin. But that's kind of the direction that Bullseye's taking at this point for Daredevil. Yeah, is this like a Sabretooth Logan situation now? Ish, yeah. They're always going to cross paths at some point. I think that they might be intertwined, yeah. And that just might be the way it is. Now, there's another character that Bullseye is a little bit intertwined with here, and that is the character of Clint Barton, Hawk Guy. (laughs) (laughs) And that is because Bullseye will be given the opportunity to join the Thunderbolts, which is essentially Marvel's answer to the Suicide Squad. Right. And Bullseye performs rather admirably, helps the Thunderbolts repel a scroll invasion. And because of this, after the Avengers are in a painted in a negative light on the world stage, Norman Osborn is tasked with kind of rebuilding the Avengers and the Dark Avengers are born. And here is where Bullseye will assume the costume and code name of Hawkeye and perform as Hawkeye for a time. It's crazy. Yes, that is the Dark Avengers run. It's it's very interesting. Nothing particularly of note 
really, really happens in these Thunderbolt and Dark Avengers runs, but they are fun. Good fit in for Hawkeye, though. Dark side Hawkeye. Yeah. Guy who can make projectiles out of anything. I think it's here when Bullseye is kind of, you know, turned into a puddle of water. Whoa. Really weird. Molecule Man turns Bullseye into a puddle of water to stop him. Even as a liquid, Bullseye tries to attack Molecule Man. But, uh, projectiles, <laughs> droplets. But it, it, the sentry will restore Bullseye to his regular form. So Bullseye will kind of beat death in a weird thing. I don't okay. know. It's okay. <laughs> And he's going to come back onto the scene, but this is pretty close to Hickman's Secret Wars kind of convergence thing where Bullseye is shown watching Earth-616 and Earth-1610 converge at a a villain party at kind of the Kingpin's penthouse, basically. And he's used a little bit in Infinity Wars, and since the MCU has kind of restarted Bullseye is back to kind of being a daredevil bad guy. And that is where we're going to leave 616 Bullseye. So once again, we have another character who's not actually in the Marvel MCU. Though this character has had a couple appearances in the Marvel films and shows that are not the MCU. The first one is the 2003 Daredevil movie. Bullseye's in that. He's actually the main villain, played by Colin Farrell. And what's interesting in this movie, Chris, which was a strange twist of, of things, they took a different route with Bullseye. They went more sort of Irish biker punk type style vibe. Well, it is Colin Farrell. They got Colin Farrell to do it, and so they built the character around Colin Farrell. The, the comics were a loose suggestion. And that makes sense. And we've seen a lot of similar things happening around this time of the 90s and the early yes. 2000s. A lot of bad comic movies. Well, where they also built characters more around the actors because they thought audiences weren't ready for the full on, let's be real, comic book suits, comic book looks, and comic book powers in, in a lot of ways. And it's interesting, like we talked about recently, the first Punisher movie, you know, and we're going to talk about Blade in the future. There's a lot of movies around this time period. They're using the comic medium to tell a story, but they're not leaning too far into the comic. They're saying, oh, we're more serious here. So we'll reach more audience members who aren't ready for comic movies. Today, it's the exact opposite. <laughs> if a movie's not a comic book movie, you might make a lot less money if it's an action movie or, you know, it's just an interesting juxtaposition we have. I do love Colin Farrell. I haven't seen this movie in so long, so I can't talk on his acting or his performance at all in this movie. It's been so long. I don't know Chris. that I ever even saw this movie. It's been so long. And also, Bullseye made an appearance in the third season of Daredevil. And I won't give any spoilers away, but Bullseye was played by Wilson Bethel. And without giving any story parts away, I will say Bullseye is a smaller part of Daredevil season three. And that, of course, is right before Daredevil ended. So they have done Bullseye in recent mediums. But still not in the MCU. Netflix is kind of MCU adjacent. Definitely adjacent. We'll see how that how that goes. Well, and of course, there's rumors on the wind and, and some are confirmations and things like that. Of course, now we're post our Punisher episode, but there are things out in the ether of the world right now, Chris, that they have recast Charlie Cox as Daredevil, re recast Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin, which is the Smart best choice. choice. And then, of course... 
recast John Bernthal as the Punisher. But these are Another all rumors. Choice. Like they're all like based in fact, but they're also like the publicists for the Marvel Disney group have not come out and said this, right? It's the same way I treat Star Wars information. When Star Wars information comes out, until it's posted on StarWars.com, my Star Wars Disney, it's not really true, you know, even if it's a leak or something. So I really am hoping that they bring this Netflix adjacent stuff to the MCU in organic ways. Most notably to me, and I've harped on it many, many times, I really do think... John Bernthal, Charlie Cox, and Vincent D'Onofrio are standouts of those series, and it would be a mistake to recast them. But we'll get into more of that in our Kingpin and Daredevil episodes. But Bullseye, I'm not sure the route they're going to go in the future with Bullseye. I am looking forward to it, though. There's literally no telling. You can take a grounded approach with him uh, where he's just a really abnormally good sniper, you know, right. once in a generation type Life thrower. Skill. Yeah. Or you can take it to where he is a borderline superhero. It just depends on kind of how high fantasy you're getting with your powers in whatever medium you're setting him in. Well, if they do recast Bullseye, I want to see Bullseye fight Daredevil and John Bernthal's Punisher. I just want to see that. I just want to see him kill Elektra. Whoa. Whoa. So let me give you a few bullseye comic book recommendations now of course i'm not going to have any real long runs for you to read as he is a villain but there's a couple issues that are, are just particularly awesome and that is roulette by frank miller this is daredevil issue number 191 this is the hospital issue i talked about this is the end of frank miller's just excellent run, kind of the capstone of the whole thing. Very, very cool. I've heard a couple uh, good Frank Miller things. <laughs> I've read uh, maybe few, yeah. 30 or so good Frank Miller things. It's ridiculous. Daredevil 181, of course, is going to be the issue where Bullseye kills Elektra. Another good issue. And then I would also recommend that you just read the entire Daredevil run by Miller by Bendis and Alex Maleev. And then you might as well, you know, if you're really feeling like it, Dark Avengers would be great. Thunderbolts could be fun. That's plenty to keep you busy. Good recommendations, Chris. And I'm going to ask the same question that I asked you off air a long time ago, but just for the listener, for that Bendis and Maleev run, what year was that? Jesse, that series is going to start in Daredevil number 16 of April. 2001 and run all the way to issue 40 that will encompass most of the bendis maleev daredevil all right chris let's move on to strategy all right guys let's go ahead and get into it today we are going to talk about bullseye his alter ego is benjamin poindexter he comes in at five health on his healthy side another five on his injured side He is a medium mover on a regular base. He's size two, threat level three, threes across the board on defense. Jesse, anything stand out to you? Nothing stands out at all. He is a three threat, average baseline through and through. We've talked about on the show time and time again, but he's a perfect example of this right now. Like he's 10 health. He's three defenses across the board. He's a medium mover. He's a height two. He's a medium sized base. Nothing strange at all. He's kind of just your average three threat and that's okay. And that is okay. So let's dig a little bit deeper here into the kit 
and see if we can't figure out what's going on here. His first attack is throwing knife. It is a range four, strength four, power cost zero. This is his builder, but it's a little different. The defending character does not benefit from cover. After the attacker's result, Bullseye will gain power equal to the damage dealt, and on a wild, you will trigger bleed. Yeah. So, four dice, not bad. Although, a nice counter to Storm and other other cover-type things. That's right. I think the coolest part here, Chris, is it's a kind of a standout. He's a three-threat with a range four strike. That's just super cool. Doesn't Yeah, that doesn't happen a lot. Doesn't happen a lot. You know, we do have these long, long-range characters like the Hawkeyes and Rockets of the World that obviously have range fives, but range four is pretty interesting. It's a range we don't see a lot in general on strikes, especially with lower cost characters. We see a lot of range two and range three. We just don't see as much range four. Now, four dice we talked about in the past is the weakest of all the strikes, but him getting around cover and then auto triggering and bleed as long as he gets a wild because, you know, it doesn't save damages dealt. We know the rules of MCP. If you get a wild in your dice results, this is happening. So that's pretty cool, too. I love the bleed trigger, and I, I do believe there might be something to come into play a little bit later that might even interact with the only having four dice thing. Sure. I, I really feel like it's what the whole kit is based around, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to that point in just a second. But let's go to his next attack. It is Pin Cushion. It is another physical attack. Range four, strength five this time. Power cost of four. That is expensive. It's expensive. We've talked about when you're in the three and up range, it's mm-hmm. starting to get really pricey, especially when you have a character like Bullseye whose builder strike attack is only four dice. So it's going to be harder to build that power with him unless you're taking damage on him, of course. So let's see if this pin cushion is worth it. The defending character, once again, does not benefit from cover. Leading into that theme. There you go. After this attack is resolved, the target character gains the bleed special condition. No triggers, it just happens. Right. And this also has a rapid fire mechanic. After this attack is resolved, Bullseye may make an additional pincushion attack without paying the power cost. The additional attack must target the original target character, and the additional attack does not have the rapid fire special rule. Four power, ten dice... No cover, automatic bleed, not bad. No, it's strong. It's 10 dice into one target, though you're spreading it out through two attacks, so they have higher chance to defend it. But And that's also going to play into something else here in a second. So let's talk about his superpowers, just because I'm trying to get to <laughs> his second superpower so oh, I can yeah. make a point. Big part of his kit, yeah. Yeah. So his first superpower is an active superpower, and it is an action. This is one of my favorite kind of generic powers that that multiple characters have. Right. It is hit and run. Bullseye immediately makes an attack action followed by a move action. This superpower can only be used once per turn, and it will cost you two power. Yep. This is great on every character it's on. I love it. Yeah, just like how charge is great, this is just the inverse of charge. So right. charges do a move action, then perform an attack. This is perform an attack, they get a move action. Yeah, it's it's the range character version of shoot and run instead of charge in and slash. Yeah, and it's really strong for range characters because you can you can attack something and you can move back to an objective safely. Right. And with one action. So it's an action economy thing, and I think it's what you're gonna be using with bullseye the most. 
Absolutely. His second superpower is a reactive superpower called I Never Miss. It costs one power. Very important. Cannot be reduced with the Avengers discount, unfortunately. After an attack made by this character is resolved, if no damage was dealt as a result of that attack, this character may use this superpower. The target character suffers one damage. So Chris gets around his strike being kind of weak. Exactly. But also... Super cool, like I mentioned earlier. Get that wild, but no damage gets through. You did give them a bleed, and then you can now pay one power and give them an auto ping. They're obviously taking another ping when they go in the future with the bleed. So there, there's some synergy here. Well, and there's a little bit of synergy in, I know this is almost prohibitively expensive, but in the fact that Pincushion is attacking twice, that gives you two opportunities at I Never Miss. And honestly, if you've got the power, it's a guaranteed two damage. Right. That's absolutely true. Well, the cool thing about this is, you know, I think it would be broken if it was just like, if you perform an attack, whether damage is dealt or not, pay in power to deal a damage. That's just too strong, unfortunately. Right. I'm assuming this is a balancing thing they threw into the game, but I do like that when his attacks don't hit, he can guarantee he can deal damage. So Chris, this makes him a great finisher because if someone's at one life and you have one power, mm-hmm. as long as you can get to striking range you can guarantee you will kill them. And we've talked about time and time again why throws are so good in the game. They're almost guaranteed damage sometimes because it's a bunch of hits that are guaranteed and they got to make a save. They don't get to save against this. They just take the pain. It's pretty cool. It's great. It's what I like the most about him. And like I was saying, this is expensive to... All this is. The pin cushion thing. He does not have a very reliable builder and that is the big drawback to this character. Yep, and closing out his superpowers, he only has one more. It's another reactive superpower called Parting Shot. We've seen it before. It costs two. After an attack targeting Bullseye is resolved, that means damage is dealt. You know, Bullseye gets his power from the damage resolved. He's presumably still alive. Bullseye may use this superpower. The attacking character suffers one damage, and Bullseye may advance away from the attacking character short. So this is another way to get some pings in, Chris. We've seen Parting Shot on the Black Widows of the World. It's always a nice, shocking way to stop people. I've actually stopped a lot of people's activations mid-activation before they took their second activation. So it's insurance for that, too. And that's pretty cool. So it's cool that he can guarantee give you a ping damage when he's attacking you and he misses. And it's also cool when you attack him and he survives. If he has power, he can also give you a ping damage and then move away short. So he's got little ping damages everywhere, which is obviously his mechanic. Nothing changes on the back. By the way, nothing. This is not a single thing. He's a simple character. That is the character. He does not have any tactics cards that go along with him. Right. Though you could use some generic ones to probably make his attacks better. Oh, absolutely. There's not a whole lot to him. I think there is a place for him. Kind of niche, like you said, as a finisher, as a long range threat, holding down some objectives in the in the back line. But. You know, he doesn't do a whole lot for me. He is one of the characters in the community, I would say alongside Iron Man and some others, that people have kind of talked bad on. And I will talk about why I understand where they're coming from, but I also think that he might not be as bad as they think. And I I think a big part of it is sometimes people, when they're creating competitive lists for this game or they're trying to play this game at the highest level, they get caught up in the idea of what are the best three threats you know, and then obviously on that spectrum, bullseye is towards the bottom. We can be fair there and say that if you're just looking at the three threats in a vacuum. But Chris, the most interesting thing about this game is we have affiliations. And the way you build your team in an affiliation is completely unique to you. 
we've always talked about it's not so much the affiliation ability, but it's also the makeup of the team. And I think Bullseye fits in both versions of that really interesting. Number one, he's a criminal syndicate member. Number two, he's a cabal member. That's it right now. He's great on both these teams. Because in Criminal Syndicate, he loves to set on an objective and just shoot at enemies. And then if they shoot at him, he gets the parting shot back and things like that. He's also counting as two, which is really annoying for a character like mm. him. Do you really mm. want to go spend a big attack on a bullseye, right? Because he's counting as two on an objective. But also, Cabal. If he deals damage, he's getting power. There's a lot of synergy here if you play him correctly. so much. Especially his pen cushion attack, because it is a bigger mm-hmm. attack that hits twice. So if you deal at least one damage in each attack, you will get a power the first time from Cabal. You'll get a power the second time from Cabal. So he's really good in those teams. And I think he's a, a welcome member in both. And, you know, it's funny, Chris, is like Bullseye... He is one of those three threats. I've seen it many, many times. Like he either just gets blown off the board or he might just win the game because he just does so much consistent little damage. If you're treating him like a safe objective runner and then coming in and dealing damage when the time comes, you're playing him right. But if you put him way deep in the fight early, he's probably not going to make it. There is a weird complexity to playing him right, I would say. Well, I definitely think he has a place. I do not think that that guaranteed kind of ping damage is to be underestimated. No. At all. And I think that's something a lot of people do is underestimate that because how many times have you just whiffed really important attack? You just, just need to get something through. It's true. Man. And, you know, he, he does guarantee that. And like you said, great finisher. It's guaranteed damage if he can pay for it. The parting shot's great. Sitting back on objective, picking your spot. He's not bad. There is a place for him, I think. For sure. And I think there's probably a little bit of a place for him outside of Criminal Syndicate and Cabal, but I don't know them off the top of my head. I just, I know there's a team where he is a huge help, but I just, I don't know it off the top of my head. Those are his best too, because he has access to their card suite as well. And they're actually pretty good cards for him. Though I do think he's good in a lot of places. I I, I think he's fine. I just think people get hooked on the threes they like, and they kind of focus on that. There's threes that I love that I'm going to play a lot, you know, and Bullseye's not one of them. That's just because I don't play criminals in, in Cabal. And that's honestly the biggest part with me. Chris, I think he's a fine X-Men member. Like he needs cover. He doesn't have great defenses. Yes. Extra mobility from Storm is great for him. And he's another lower cost character, which the X-Men like. He's just not going to nudge out Black Cat when she becomes available. That's just what's happening in my X-Men list. It's just Black Cat, man. Yeah, same situation with Web Warriors, right? I think he's a decent Web Warrior because rerolls are good on defense for him and he needs that. How many other great three threats are there in Web Warriors? A lot. You know, Black Cat being one of them. Yeah. Somewhere I think I will try him. The Spider-Foes are lacking a lot of three threats. That's an interesting thought. Now, the problem, Chris, is Spider-Foes have to spend one power to re-roll an enemy's defense dice. Bullseye loves this because he likes to get more damage through, but he's already pretty power-hungry. So that is a problem for him. But I think he's a decent Spider-Foe, as is any ranged character in Spider-Foes. Can sit back on a back point and shoot into the fight while the, the Venoms and the Lizards, Doc Ox and Green Goblins of the World are up front, you know, taking the aggro, essentially. I think the hardest part of this discussion, Chris, with Bullseye is that there's so many strong three threats in the game, and with him only having two teams which is still a notable amount people just don't play him as much that's understandable it makes sense but i also know enough not to take him lightly if i see him on the other side of the board you absolutely shouldn't because i think the biggest threat is this auto one damage and what's interesting about it is if you think of yourself in a situation where you've got a four five or six threat that's on one health and bullseye's on the board he can just come in and 
kill them. He just has to strike them once at range four yes. and miss. Exactly. And then pay one power and then kill them. So on his bad days, that's what he does. He waits for the right time to do that. And up until that point, he's just scoring an objective. And that's okay. And I think that's how you need to play him. I think that's really how you need to play him. Honestly, there might be something to be said of putting him in a team expressly for that situation for someone like me to make sure I'm scoring, you know, to make sure I'm not forgetting the OBJ and getting a little too aggressive with him. Too aggressive. Yeah. Though I do think he has a cool place in the bleed team. It's a team I've wanted Mm -hmm. to make for a long time. Just a team that gives a bunch of bleeds and, you know, maybe there'll be some synergy with Craven the Hunter too coming soon, but I think he's fun. I think he's a fun character. I've seen him played to great success. I've also seen him blown off the board as I've seen many two and three threats in MCP. Oh, absolutely. They are tough to play certain ways, but it is just hard to justify him when there are characters like Beast and Valkyrie in the game off the top of my head, you know, just consistent characters. And, you know, he is consistent. It's just he's only consistent with kind of holding the objective and doing a little bit of ping damage when the time is right. So that's when you need him. That's when you take him. But also we can never, never disregard the fact that he is a criminal syndicate member who's three cost and they need that. So he's probably a welcome addition to your criminal syndicate bag if you already have Taskmaster, which you should. And then you add Bullseye to kind of make yourself have more list building options entirely. You know, Cabal doesn't have any problems with that, Chris, because their roster is so massive. It's just so massive. Right. I think if you're taking him in Cabal, you have a plan and that is exciting. And I want to see that plan in action because I think he's a good place in Cabal as well. I just think you need to know what you're doing with him because why not just take Hawkeye, right? In Cabal and just have power for days exactly. <laughs> at five range instead of four range. So it's all very exciting. This is a simple character. You know, we have these characters come up every once in a while, Chris, in the show where there's not as much to say. And that's okay. Yeah. It's going to happen because that's what makes this game so great. There are characters that are filling out rosters, filling out the flavor of the game, filling out, you know, people's choices of models. And I think this is one of them. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Catch our streams of Marvel Christ Protocol at twitch.tv slash Furies Finest and follow the show on social media. Check us out on Twitter at Furies Finest Cast and Instagram and Facebook at Furies Finest. Email us at furiesfinest at gmail.com and continue to leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And please, please, please rate, review, subscribe, spread the love, man. People are still finding the show daily, Chris. It's very exciting. So if you have members in your community that are getting into Marvel Christ Protocol, definitely send our podcast their way. And let's get more people into this wonderful game and learn more about these characters we all love so much to get to the table. You can find Chris and I on social media doing various things, but you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. And check out my Star Wars podcast, The Canon Cantina. Chris, where can everybody find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. That's going to be it today for a really interesting episode. I, I do like, Chris, that we learned so much about Bullseye and lore and how, honestly, pivotal the character is to some, some of Daredevil's major arcs. He was used as a tool to help Daredevil as a character grow into the Daredevil we know and love today. And I will always be thankful for that. Who wouldn't be? And I'm really looking forward to our Daredevil episode coming very soon. But until then, thanks for listening. True believers. Excelsior. 
world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything will surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 